do what it takes to get us some hot honey. <laughs> the Matt and Beth Show. The Matt and Beth Show. What do you do when somebody calls you by the wrong name? <laughs> hey, Beth. Nope, don't call you Beth. Hey, Barbara. Every time. You didn't correct them on the first time you heard it. Maybe no, they said it wrong. Can't. Yeah, right. Maybe next time they'll know <laughs> that I'm Beth. Right. But then it's two, three, four, five. At that point, you just have to accept that that's your new name by that person, don't you? You can't correct them like so. five months ha- down the road. No, right. it's. I, I can think of one time it happened to me, but it happens a lot of times to our youngest daughter, Faye. Mm. I think people know that we're pastors. And so people assume when we say faith, they, Faye, they hear faith. faith. Yeah. So there are a few people that call her faith and I'm like, meh. Yeah, that's cute. It's what it, I mean, technically it's what her name means, right. but you know, people just assume that we're pastors. Her name's probably faith. And she thinks that's her name too. That's the problem. What do you do? Has that happened to you? Yeah, it's happened a few times and I really don't know how to react to it because I just feel silly correcting people. I don't know why I feel like I'm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like to correct folks. I feel like there's a big internal battle when it comes to like, hey, you know, that's wrong. You know, that's not your name. I know. Mm. It depends on what, like, what, what are your interactions going to be moving forward too? Yeah. If it's somebody you're like, hey, we're about to be like brother coaching this whatever. team for our kids. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. brother in laws. <laughs> they probably want to know, but like. Right. Eh, I'm never, maybe ever going to see them again. If the person limited at, the, basis. at the checkout at the dollar store calls yeah. me Mark. Okay. Right. <laughs> so what? I'm okay with it. That's that our interaction. People, is that what people call you? Mark or Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you just look like a Gary. <laughs> I guess. You know, and, and, <laughs> and when somebody waves at you from afar and calls you the wrong name and you're used to the wrong name and you actually look at the wrong name and you wave back. That's just confirming you're never going to be able to get out of that one. They're always going to call you by the wrong name if you wave every time they call you that name. (laughs) Or if you introduce yourself as Gary. (laughs) You can scroll while you listen on your smart speaker. Just ask Alexa to play the Matt and Beth show on Spotify. We're going to play a game called Wheel of Personal Questions. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not yet. That'll be here later. Okay, so here's my question. How would you answer somebody if they said this? Okay. All right. My life's fine. No, truthfully, I'm really, really, really happy. I'm like really a happy person. I've got a great life. I've got a great family. Um, I've got plenty of money. Uh, Everything's just good. My family life's good. We're really functional. All these things. Like, why would we need Jesus? Like, what would Jesus, how would our lives change if Jesus was involved from the stuff that's already feels pretty perfect? What would I say to them? Yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what I would say. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big debater. I don't, I don't want to debate somebody. Right. Right. I want to tell them what I know and what I believe. And so what I know and what I believe is every good gift that I have in my life, because I believe that God is a creator of all, I believe that every good thing I have in my life is because of him. And so adding, I don't know about adding God to your life. It would be more of, they would need to come to a place where they can recognize that they, that everything that they have has been a gift from God. And honestly, the Bible talks a little bit about that because it's hard when you're, you go, well, I've worked hard for everything I have in my life. I have worked hard to 
you know, in the, in my career to get to a place where I can take my kids, you know, financially, I can take them to Disneyland or, you know, uh, it's hard. The Bible says it's harder for, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven because there's a, there's an element of being rich where we think that we've got it all and we've taken, you know, we don't need God. And that's honestly a, a, I would say a dangerous place to be in because I do believe that we all need him. Mm. So a lot of time people come to God because they do get in desperate situations. They hit rock bottom and, and they realize their desperation from Mm. God. But you know, I could go through a lot of days and, and like really not need him because I'm capable at my job and I'm, you know, I've, I've got common sense. I can make decisions. We can get through our days and not, actually need to reach out and grab for God sometimes. And That's so, exactly what I'm saying. Is that right there? Cause I've had that question asked to me specifically, yeah. and I really do like the don't want to debate over. I'm not trying to fight with you. Yeah. I'm telling you this is that this is my personal, personal story. And that's, that's the yeah. best I think is because I don't need to argue my personal story. It's what I experience, and here's why. But yes. you also want to be able to hand the gift over too. But if somebody's saying, I don't want the gift, then yeah. you keep pushing on it. Because I think it does get in that area of of I'm so content with everything in my life that I need nothing else, especially not God. I don't right. need to. I need to give my life over to someone else because I've been doing this and I've been doing fine and my family's doing great. But the one thing is, is that everything in that story can be taken away so quickly. Now it's just you. Yeah. What do you have? Yeah. Where's your happiness now? Right. And I think you can speak to it a little, maybe even better than I can because you, you you know, your story is you were kind of at the lowest point mm. and you just reached out to God and you, you know, just knew he was with you. And yeah. that just kind of began your faith journey. But now wouldn't you say that even all the things that are good in your life that may have been good before, they're just, it's like the colors are brighter, yes. right? Yes. And there's a fullness there. And there's, um, a, even in those moments of anxiety, there's a piece that you know that you can go to and you can reach out to. So, you know, I don't think you have to debate people into believing in Jesus. Mm. I would say, you know what? Just look for him. Look for him in the thing in your everyday life. Look for ways that, you know, look in the creation, the world around us, because it's not just about, oh, I was a terrible person and now my life is perfect because of Jesus. No, it's God wants to be a part of every aspect of your life. And if you can't imagine needing something, um, just try it, right? Try just adding a little bit of the Bible to your life and yeah. just see your life might be great. And and I love that. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you have the things that you've been working for, but try to add a little bit of Jesus. And I bet you'll, you'll realize that there was something missing that you didn't know was missing before. If you need that, like I'm not the person, if you need a, a big debate and a big like argument and documents and scientific research, like that's just not me. I can talk about the Jesus that I know, but I don't want to, I'm not going to debate anybody. If they're not interested in hearing, a lot of times when you're debating with somebody, their mind is made up anyway. And so I don't know personally, I don't know anybody who came to Jesus through a debate. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I set out to fight somebody and they just made some really compelling arguments on their <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> completely changed my uh the completely changed me. No, yeah. I, I think that so much like you like we talked about, people who come to faith, a lot of times it's from rough circumstances that they were in. They realize they need God. God is the one that's there for them, and then it begins this faith journey. But 
most people I think that I have seen, it's been through relationship with someone. They've seen somebody's life change or a friend that invited them to church and they just come and they just kind of experience this family for the first time and community and love that they haven't experienced acceptance. And so maybe I should dig deeper and learn more and research more about the scientific proof that creation happened in seven days. But that's not to me. I don't follow Jesus because God created the world in seven days. I follow him because he's a person who has made a difference in my life and my life is richer and fuller. And because of him, the person, not because I know exactly how many years old the earth is. Some guys stopped me and said, you Matt McKay? And I said, yeah. I said, uh, don't like your podcast. <laughs> Come on now. No. Said you could have emailed me that if you'd like. <laughs> the Matt and Beth Show at gmail.com is the way to do that. Or I'll see you at High V on Sunday at 6. Come on now. Do you think or do you invest in a relationship or a friendship depending on how much they invest in the relationship? I found myself doing this and I said, do I do this all the time? And it's just part of who I am. Or is it him that says, oh, yeah, he didn't call me back that night, so now I've got an open door to not call back because that's how we've established this part of our relationship. You know what I'm saying? If somebody doesn't call back, now you go, well, he doesn't call me back too. If you wanted to say that, so your relationship, uh, the however it is, if it could be determined on how this person treats you by the way that you've treated them, and then everybody's fine with that much of the relationship. Or one's not, one is. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if somebody's throwing everything into it and they're always calling, they're always whatever, and the other person's not really giving that much, but they're giving just enough, yeah. do you drop down to that level so that you're not disappointed? Or do you keep loving the same way that you always do and then become disappointed by folks who don't give back the same? But then us expecting them people to love us the same way we love them, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's a big question. It's a lot there. There's and a lot there. And when you're ready, go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay to have multiple levels of friendships, different levels of relationship, right? So maybe every relationship you have, you're not necessarily going to walk them into see your piles of laundry on your bedroom. Right. Right. But you might not care if they saw some dishes in the sink. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. relationship doesn't have to, every friend doesn't have to be a best friend. I, I think that you are going to have relationships in your life that are going to be really close and you're calling each other and you're back and forth and it's very yeah. much mutual. And then there are going to be other relationships in your life that people that are calling you and needing something from you that you're not like able to give. Do you know what I'm saying? Not that there are levels or hierarchy, but that just is what it is. Some relationships are going to be closer and that's okay. But when it comes to, so like if you were talking about, like I wouldn't establish a friendship that way. Say you just met somebody, you hit it off, you guys, you know, you hung out, your families had fun together, and then you go to text him one day and he doesn't respond to just be like, okay, now this is what our friendship is, and so I'm not going to respond. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I don't think you should establish a friendship that way, um, and I don't ever think you should establish it on assumptions. Right. We've talked about this That's a big. lot. Oh, that mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't text me back. She doesn't text me back. She clearly doesn't want to be my friend, and so I'm just going to, like, not be her friend. Right. I don't think that we should, you know, react that way. And I don't look at it so much from a dramatic standpoint of, like, well, fine then, or it's not like a resentment feeling or anything that's negative, but more so that do I base the amount that I give on the amount the other person does? Right. 
because it, 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 I want the relationship to be equal and understood so that we're both like, hey, I'm probably not going to ask you to come over and sleep at my house if something happens between you and your whoever. I just right. met you. I don't know. Whatever. Right. But I, I think it comes down to, you know, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So it, it doesn't, you don't want to be a nag, right? If somebody is clearly giving you all the signs that they just like don't need you in their life, right. you need to be able to socially <laughs> just like read those cues. But if I stopped pursuing a friend every time it took them more than 24 hours to return a text, I'd be missing out on a lot of relationships right. in my life. And there are a lot of people that I do have relationship with, like other moms, for instance, as we were raising little kids, there was like had to be this baseline understanding that like me not getting back to you is not because I don't want to. It's mm -hmm. probably because I'm doing 40 other things that I would not rather be doing, but I'm taking care of all these kids and putting out all these fires. Yeah. So there, there just has to be a level of understanding and not assuming somebody's motives. But I think it comes back to treat others the way you want to be treated. Be the kind of friend. We tell our kids this. Be the kind of friend that you want to have. And if you want to have a friend that responds to texts, um, if you want to have a friend that, you know, puts things on the calendar and make sure that you have that time together, then you need to model that and yeah. be that friend. We tell people too all the time, like I, I know sometimes people get tired of being the initiator. Well, he, we, we would never hang out if I didn't mm. initiate it every single time. Um, okay. Like, do you want to, do you want to hang out? Do you want to have friends that you can go? you know, on hikes with, do you want to have friends that you have game night with? Then just ask. You right. be the initiate, even if they're not going to be. Yeah. So I don't think you wait to see how committed they are. I think you model the kind of friend that you want. And maybe one day, you know, that they'll become that. Maybe they won't. Maybe you'll constantly be the one that's inviting people over. But then you get to the end of your life and you're like, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my friends. Yeah. Does it matter that right. you were the one that was right. asking? Right, right, right. No. You know, in the girls, when they go through friendships in the sense that you can tell that some are starting to fade. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a summer friendship that yeah. really was great. They played all summer long, and then it'll come to an end, and they're just not as close. Mm -hmm. The girl's like, we're not close to them. And they just kind of look at it as like a personal attack on something. But I said, if we're supposed to stay friends with everybody we meet, then I'd still be best friends with Martin Condon that I met in kindergarten. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, things happen. Things change. People change. You come in and out of your life. In the seasons that you're in, there's yes. relationships that are stronger and then they start to back off. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. And I think there's time that we have, we can't be intimate with all of our friends in the way that we only have so much time and so much energy and so much that we can actually give or take or we just can't be that intimate with like every single person we meet. We can't be that close with them. No. And, and like you said, it's, it's so seasonal sometimes. I mean, I had my very best friend when we lived in Illinois, we spent so many days of the week together we would she was watching kids at home and you know doing daycare in her house and I was home with my two kids I would go over there multiple days a week we're like hey bring your laundry we're just gonna fold laundry today we, we spent so much time together and now I don't see her very often yeah. at all we text on holidays or very random I mean couple times a year, I'll think of something funny and send it her way or a, a memory will pop up. But as soon as we talk, it's great. Right. I mean, it's like nothing happened. It's like nothing changed. There's nothing that happened other than I moved to a different state that caused our friendship to end. And so I can look at that and bitterness and be like, she never calls me anymore. Well, I, I don't call her either as regularly, but, 
Or I can just go, what a sweet, sweet season yes. that was. And I can be grateful for that friendship. And hopefully I'll carry it on some level into the rest of my days. But rather than look on it with frustration and resentment, mm. I'm just going to choose to in- be thankful for what I had and continue to pour into the relationships I have now. And even those little times that you guys are talking on the holidays, that's still friendship. It's not like it completely ended. You guys still have those no. memories. You still have that filling that, in your heart from when you think yes. of that person. And that the knowledge of each other. I knew it. where she was on Easter. Yeah. I knew who she spent certain holidays with. And we can still joke about what, our, you know, what life is like with a big, huge family. And, you know, she, every cousin, you know, she grew up in Chicago. So every cousin lives in like a three block radius yeah. and every holiday is all the people and all the things and who cooks what, you know, we, we still have that common understanding and it, we pick up where we left off, but no resentment because I'm, I'm not assuming that she's mad at me. I'm, I'm assuming good motives about her. Strange stories from Matt's childhood. One of my friends named Delane Kemp. He was this guy who Kemp. I was uh, friends with from kindergarten until like um, sixth grade. And then one day we couldn't we're get a hold of him for months and months and months and months. And we're like, what the heck's going on with Delane and his family? So he lived in Kent. We lived in Federal Way, about a 30-minute drive. Long haul to get my stepdad to take us all there to go see if Delane's okay. So we get in the car, take off. We drive there. We pull into their apartment parking lot, and they are packing up the ride. And they're just putting stuff in it so quick. And we're like, what's going on, guys? What what, what are you doing? They're like, we can't talk. They kept throwing everything in, stuck the car in reverse, and like, (laughs) that was the last time I ever saw Delane and his family. Strange stories from Matt's childhood. The golden rule is in this in the book. Uh, how full is your bucket? It says the golden rule doesn't follow the same step. It's like love languages because you're uh, treating others how you want to be treated versus how they want to be treated. Right. So I get both, but I also think that I think the golden rule part two is also. Not blasphemy. <laughs> but if on a on a deeper level, don't you think, okay, so treat others the way you would want to be treated, the yeah. golden rule. You could say, so if my love language is gifts, then I would give gifts because that's the way. I mean, I think that's how we do function. Yes. But is it more, is it a deeper meaning? Like treat others like, I, I just want to be loved. Right. The actual yes. method isn't necessarily what the golden rule is talking about, right. but you want to be loved. You want to be taken care of. You want to be valued. Right. So the method only is anti, like it's not opposite of love languages. Right. The natural way that, yeah. One doesn't have to cancel out the other. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that, yeah, I, I, that totally makes sense. Like foundational love of what we want as human beings. Yes. Versus so, what I want as a personality or interview. Yes. Right. And the, yeah, the, to me, the way that it fleshes out is just gener is how am I naturally wired to love? Right. So that's where I have to be intentional and think through it. But I don't think they're opposites. I think they support each other. The basis is foundation is how do you want to be treated? You want to be treated with respect and with right. love. And so that's how you should treat other people. So do you love your chiropractor? I love my chiropractor. I love my chiropractor too. Oh wait, we have the same chiropractor. In fact, our entire families have the same chiropractor and we're all very satisfied and we all love Dr. Bo. If you've gone to any chiropractor before and it's just been another errand to cross off your list, this is a whole lot different. So fall in love with your chiropractor, Dr. Bo, Trinity Chiropractic, trinitychiro.com and at 31st and 0. Don't judge me. Don't 
This is a Matt and Beth show. Don't, 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 don't judge me. Here goes from the Christian heart to the non-Christian heart. My default. When I have a conversation and something happens and I'm not in that place, if I'm not in that spot, if I didn't prepare my heart. Now, you guys talked about that in church one sermon, preparing your heart. So not to try to uh, 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 prepare it during the storm, but let's prepare for the storm. And when I don't do that and I feel something that is emotionally stirring in me and I'm not even aware of God in my presence, even at that moment, prayer isn't even a thing. It shuts off. So before it gets that shut off point, that's where I need to stop. That's where I need to remember, like, this is probably, there's a chance this could happen. Be overly aware of your emotions at this point and be so present with God. Hold Jesus' hand during this conversation. Because there's times that, that I will, as, as, as I think we all do, unless we find a way of working that out before it happens. And that's where I found the best results to not go back to my negative default is to pray in those moments. Right. Pray in those moments is so key, but I also think self-awareness yeah. is um, like self-awareness, like will will you'll hit your ceiling if you lack self-awareness. And what I mean is, if I never know what kinds of things trigger me, trigger my defensiveness, then I'm going to constantly get into those situations and I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, fight as opposed to like calmly talking through. I'm going to react as opposed to responding right. in the correct way. Right. And so, yes, you have to pray in those moments. And yes, but yes, I think part of the prayer before you get to the storm is about you know, asking God to help you know, what are my triggers? What is, what areas of my heart have not, uh, been made like you? What areas of my heart are still me and the, the part of me that isn't fully surrendered to God. And so you have to learn those things now so that when the storm comes, even if you don't go to prayer right away, you go to, Hey, this is what we've talked about. When you get attacked, you tend to go defensive. When you at- get attacked, you you start to shut down and you don't listen anymore. You don't hear anything. And so it's 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 both and. It's prayer and also asking God to help you be aware of your own self. If you're willing to look at those parts. Because those and could I don't be... I always want to do that. I know, right? But it is important. It's so important. It's if, so if you want to grow. If you want to live out the rest of your days the same and not grow. Yep. And truly, I think this hap- this all of it, it always points back to our identity. If my identity is in everybody loving me, then anytime somebody comes at me with an area that they think I should grow in, I'm going to respond in a way that's defensive because it's threatening my identity. But if I can truly understand I'm a child of God, I am loved, I am valued, my value is not based on my performance or my if my value is not based on everybody around me loving me, then I don't have to get defensive when somebody comes at me with, hey, you did this thing that hurt me or you did this thing and this is how it came across. I don't have to get defensive because I know, okay, that's not who I am. My value is not based on how you feel about me in this moment. And so I can respond a little more calmly because everything isn't being threatened. Right. My whole life, my whole foundation isn't threatened by this difficult conversation. I love that. I need some good Your wrap-up is brought to you by Elwood Photography, elwoodphoto.com. Check him out on Facebook and like his new art page. Here's Beth with your wrap-up. 
Well, the Bible gives us a great picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of what love really looks like. So as we look at our relationships, whether it's in a marriage or a friendship or any relationship where you're maybe feeling like you're giving a lot and there's the other person reciprocating. Well, here's a really good picture of what love is supposed to look like. And it says this, it says, love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no records of being wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So I know sometimes that's hard to hear because we want just a quick fix. We want this relationship to have some kind of a glue that just like puts it back together. But I believe the foundation for every relationship should be this kind of love. I believe that as we fully give love, that that opens the door to fully being loved by the people in our lives. Now, there are always extenuating circumstances. If you're in a relationship where um, abuse is happening or you're in a relationship that is just genuinely toxic and unhealthy, you might need to seek some help. But on the everyday relationships with our coworkers, with our friends, people we're trying to get to know, I believe that true love keeps no record of being wronged. It never gives up and it treats people with kindness. And if you apply those principles, watch the relationships in your life flourish. I'm Beth and that's your wrap up. I need some good-